Today, if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, you can follow along in the Bible app in the version under the events section, it'll be on the screen as well, or if you have a Bible with pages that you actually turn, you can do that too. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 today, Matthew 5, verse 6, I'm going to give you just a moment to get there, talking about being hungry. For God, and this is what it says: Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Well, 2020 is here. It's the first service of the year, first service of the decade. I'm excited to see that many of you made it here because from talking to you and looking at some social media and different things, the sound of it is that some of you haven't ventured far from home since last Sunday. And uh, maybe a few of you have been in your pajamas most days. You've binge-watched entire shows on uh, TV. Dessert has become one of the main food groups or the only food group that you're concerned with. And you're not quite sure what day of the week it is. Any of those apply to anybody here? Yes. Some of you maybe you're already back on the grind and all that kind of stuff. But congratulations to all of you because you made it here. And uh, we're excited to have you here. I'm not knocking it if you were able to disconnect and really relax and somehow forget what day of the week it is. Sometimes that's needed, especially in the lives that we live. Most of us, though, we grew up in a little different time than, than this. Things were a little different when we grew up. I'm not that old, but I'm going to date myself a little bit today because things were different when I grew up. When I grew up, we didn't have 200 channels of cable television in my home, right? These were before the days of Netflix or any kind of streaming on-demand TV or movie service. There were like basically six or seven or maybe eight television channels, but not all of those counted because one of those would be like Telemundo, right? And let's, let's be real, who's watching Telemundo? Not me. It's Spanish. Si, si se puede. And then the other one was like PBS, right? And no one's really watching PBS. Uh, so, I mean, maybe you're watching PBS, but I wasn't watching PBS. Back in those days, football was only on one day of the week, mm -hmm. and it didn't start during church. And if a show wasn't on NBC, CBS, or ABC, I probably wasn't going to see it. Does anyone remember those days? It doesn't seem like it was really that long ago, but I guess it was. It's hard to imagine life before you were able to watch The Office whenever and wherever you wanted and all day long, if you wanted to. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. Back in those days, if you watch a show and you really liked it, you had to wait a week to see the next part. And you had to make sure that you were home and that the TV signal was good. You might have to adjust your antenna, all that kind of stuff. Because if you missed it, you just missed it. There's no DVR. <laughs> we didn't have the internet to stream or record shows or to entertain us with social media. No YouTube, no Instagram, no Facebook, no Twitter. And we didn't have smartphones at all. No smartphones, no fun games that you could sit down and begin to play and all of a sudden you look up and an hour is gone. That happened sometimes. We had these things called dumb phones. Okay, they may not have been called that, but they were dumb phones. You would, like, rotary crank, and they were mounted to a wall. Some of you, I'm describing this for the first time in your life. You're hearing this, and you're like, mind is blown. You had to actually dial numbers. There was none stored in them. You couldn't ask it to call someone for you. And you would look up the phone number, sometimes in a phone book. It was a very dumb phone. Uh, all it could do was talk. Can you imagine what use is a phone that you can talk on? And video games were nothing like they are today. 
Now, I grew up with Mario, that was kind of my, my jam, but some of you go back even before, and your video games was like Centipede, or Missile Command, or Pong, or something like that, right? Anyone remember those days? You weren't playing Call of Duty online all night with your friends over the holidays. And this life, some of you right now, it sounds really, really boring. You're like pretty happy that you are where you are, because I just eliminated for some of you like 90% of your fun, and 90% of your activity over the past week, you're like, wow, I don't really have any idea what I would have done. Well, let me tell you what we did. We did some crazy things back then. We read these things called books, like with actual pages, and um, you didn't turn them on or off. You didn't have to charge them. And my family was really crazy. We owned a bunch of books, and then we would read all those several times, and then we would go to this place where we could borrow basically an unlimited amount of books from, from somewhere else, for, for basically free, and it was unbelievable. Uh, we played outside. My family would have a game night every week, and, and one night of the week we would play games inside, like board games or card games or something like that. And then the next week we would play outdoor games, and my sister and I would pick the games, and my parents would pretend to enjoy it. And uh, at the holidays, when our family got together, we would have more people, and we'd play bigger games and Monopoly all night and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they say that life's supposed to be better now. With all the technology and the connection, the instant access, and I wonder if that's really even the case. Sometimes I miss the days where people would talk to each other and interact with other people without constantly sneaking a peek at their phones. Sometimes as a pastor, you miss looking out of the church and not being able to see uh, the people's cell phone screens, the glow on their faces as they uh, try to send that text or check the score of the 11 o'clock game. And I do see that, by the way. I know you try to hold your phone really far down here like, oh, he has no idea what's going on right now. Come on, I do the same thing. It's the reality of the situation that we live in. Uh, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. I'm guilty too. The world has changed. There's proper cell phone etiquette. Some people know that, but the world's just a different world overall. And I can sound like a really old guy complaining up here. I miss the days when people talk to each other and I wish the kids would get off their phones, right? And that's not the pur pur purpose or the point of this message, to just reminisce in the good old days. But I was thinking about some of these things over the holidays, and some holidays when I was growing up as a kid, and different things. And my family, we still play board games at our house, and, and card games, and different things. And we played some as a family over the last couple weeks. And there's one game that I loved as a kid that I began to think about over the, the holidays that we don't own anymore. And I don't know that my kids have even ever played it. They're going to have to. Um, but that game was Hungry Hungry Hippos. Does anyone remember that game? Check it out. Here, here's, this will be a reminder for you. This was like the best game as a kid. I absolutely loved playing it. The idea was simple. Every person kind of grabs a, a side of the game and has a hippo, and you press the little lever. I'm like, there's no major technology involved here. Now you have to have your phone and press three buttons at the same time to make your hippo eat or something. I don't know. But you just push the little lever and you try to eat as much as like the marbles or whatever it was as you could, as fast as you can, more than everyone else, kind of like a junior high boy does in real life. Just eat as much as you can. And hunger is a really interesting thing. Uh, when you're really hungry, it's really hard to think about anyone else or anything else. Is anyone hungry today? Anyone coming hungry? Maybe you missed breakfast, you didn't grab a donut on your way in, you came late, the donuts were gone because someone else grabbed three. Um, do you know what would make that worse right now? If I showed some amazing pictures of food like this carrot cake up here, doesn't that look good? 
How many of you are hungry now? Now raise your hand if you're hungry. Check out that picture. You know what would make it even worse? If someone had a piece of carrot cake in here, like me, like right now. Doesn't that look good? But I'll tell you, like, it tastes better than it looks. This was really good, Shara. And I had some of this the first service, so I know it's good. And it's still good. The cream cheese icing. And I don't know what it is, but that little orange part where the carrot is, it tastes better. It just tastes better. Just so you know, it's really good. How are you feeling? Are you hungry yet? You know what would make it worse? Oh. If someone, like, right in the middle of where someone was sitting were to eat a piece. Who likes carrot cake? I want you, there's some rules, Jenny. You've got to eat this. You can't share with anybody. I don't care how much they beg or bleed or look at you with puppy dog eyes. You eat it and don't share with anybody. Just start eating. Go ahead. Oh, that's awesome. Anybody hungry yet? Now, isn't that kind of cruel? I mean, I feel good. I'm not really hungry anymore. I've had a lot of carrot cake. But the good news that I have for you today is it's been a while since we've had snack time Sunday at New Life. And we've got some snacks for you today. So, Lorraine, would you come help me? Hannah, could you help on that side? We're going to hand out snacks. We've got snacks. I think we've got enough for everybody here today. Who, who wants a snack? Just take those. There's a rule on this one, too. Don't open it until everyone has one. We're going to open them together, and we'll eat them together. We brought snacks for everybody. This is the best Sunday. If you're a guest here, we don't always have snacks on Sunday. You just happen to show up on the best Sunday. We have to have snacks for the first Sunday of the year. Don't open it yet. Just hold it. We're going to eat these snacks together. I brought some. I didn't want to be cruel and cause you to not be able to participate. Jenny's over there. You can just keep eating that carrot cake. This, honestly, you're not missing out. She wants one of those too. She's not going to miss. I want to apologize if you already began fasting. This is really cruel. I'm sorry, but we are going somewhere with this. It's just snack pack Sunday. And so just grab one snack pack. Don't open it till we hand out all the snacks. We'll eat them together. If you're watching online today, you picked a really bad day not to be here in person because we have snacks. So I encourage you, just stop, like, don't disconnect from watching, but, like, you have permission to go to your refrigerator real quick, grab a snack, and come back and join us so that you can participate in this as well. Does everybody have a snack pack? Awesome. This is going to be good. All right. I think we're all handed out, right? Go ahead and rip open your snack packs. You can eat it all. You can have all of the snacks. Eat to your heart's content. Stuff yourself. I, I don't want anyone to worry about their New Year's resolutions. The diet that you just started, these are low carb. Uh, it's going to be great. Just completely indulge and stuff yourself with the snacks. Yummy, yummy. It's great. Enjoy. I'm glad we could bring snacks for you today. Don't worry about the cost. It really wasn't that much. Now, wasn't that great? How many of you are full now? All your hunger's gone. Maybe you are, but probably not. In fact, the reality is you're probably more hungry now 
than when you started. Because hunger works that way. Eating just a little bit makes you want more. You remember that old commercial, you can't eat just one? Well, we just proved them wrong. You just did. <laughs> What's fascinating is that when you begin to feed your hunger, you increase your hunger. Some of you are more hungry now than you were before your snack. What's fascinating about our little experiment this morning is that when you begin to feed something, it increases. And, and you're, you're now more hungry than you were when you came in because now I've put pictures of, on the screen. I've eaten carrot cake in front of you. Jenny sat right in the middle eating carrot cake. She's, you, did you lick the plate? My goodness, that must have been good carrot cake. And now you have one little bite of something to eat. And... <clears throat> That's how appetites are cultivated. Hunger can be increased and decreased, and appetites are, are cultivated. This is true of physical cravings that we have, but it's also true of other cravings. Marketers, they know this and they understand this. Who's ever been to a food court in a mall? And what does the Chinese spot in the food court in the mall always have? Samples, right? I mean, you've had a sample from the, and you thought, like, why are they doing that? I'm just going to eat three shrimp. I'm going to walk by three times, eat three shrimp, and then I'm going to order less. But they, they've tested it. It doesn't work that way. Priming the pump causes you to want it more, whether it's that day or another day. You're going to want it. They know if they can just get you started, you'll come back for more. <laughs> Vegas understands this. I went to Vegas for the first time a couple years ago, and... Uh, I'd never been there before, and I didn't realize that a lot of the hotels in Vegas, when you check in, they give you casino money for their casino. Free, $25. Go spend it wherever you want, or they give you some slot machine vouchers or whatever for your room. And I thought, why would they do that? But here's the thing. They understand that if they can get you started, they'll feed the hunger a little bit, and you won't quit. And it won't take long before you stop spending their money which is going back to them. It's pretty genius. They're not losing anything. And all of a sudden, you're spending your money, which still goes to them. It's pretty genius. Every once in a while, you may get a little taste of winning, and you like that, and the taste convinces you to keep going and to try more and not to stop. It's not just food and gambling that works that way. Spiritual things work this way as well, allowing you to see and experience just a little bit of sin, just a little taste that's the enemy's plan for our lives. He wants to allow you to indulge and to enjoy it a little bit and to experience it. And maybe in the beginning you don't experience too many consequences as a result. So you try a little bit more and before long you're in over your head. That's how addiction happens. The more you feed it, the more the hunger for that thing grows. But there's a good side of this principle as well. That appetite can be cultivated. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I love the way the message version says that verse. It says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Psalm 119, 103 says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. When you begin to feed your hunger for God, you increase your hunger for God. Appetite for the things of God is cultivated just like any other appetite in your life is cultivated. It makes you want more. When you sense his presence and you feel his presence, you want more of that. When you sense his peace, you want more of his peace. When you experience God, it makes you hungry for more of God. Appetites are not only cultivated, but they're shaped. 
They're shaped by a regular diet, and this is true whatever the diet happens to be. Just try, discipline yourself, and maybe you have. Maybe you're on day five, before I fed you carrot cake and M&Ms, you were doing really, really good, and you were eating healthy foods, and all of a sudden, like salads, like you could taste the flavors of vegetables and fruits in a way that you couldn't before, and, and all of a sudden you didn't hate water, you're kind of beginning to have a taste for water, and, and you didn't have to flavor it, you know, until it's like some weird color, you could just drink water. But you know what happens? You throw in the towel and you binge on Taco Bell and wash it down with a package of your favorite candy. And you know what cravings you're going to have from that point forward? It's not going to be lettuce. It won't be bananas and water. I can guarantee you that. You're going to crave those things that you began to feed. The diet shapes the appetite over time. This is a fundamental principle. You're going to want more of whatever you feed yourself of. So that means we have to choose our diet very carefully. How is it that some people can pray for an hour. Well, they didn't start there. They started with a few minutes every day, and as they prayed, they sensed God's presence, and they wanted more and more and more. And so if you've never spent time daily with God, don't try to start with an hour and get discouraged and quit. Start with a couple minutes and allow your hunger for the things of God to increase. The same thing goes for fasting. We talked last week, we're beginning 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And the, the intention isn't that every person has to fast for 21 days. It wouldn't be healthy for some people. Some people couldn't do it. We would love for, for everyone to participate at the level that they can. But you don't begin fasting by fasting 21 days. It wouldn't be a very good thing. Begin with a meal. Begin with taking a breakfast time and saying, you know what, that 15 minutes that I spend eating breakfast and the, the food that I eat it gives me the strength that I depend on for the day. I'm going to take that 15 minutes and I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to turn on a worship song. And I'm going to listen and start my day that way. And instead of depending on the sugar or the food or the caffeine for my day, I'm going to depend on God even more. And if my body says that I'm hungry, I'm going to remind myself that I want to be just as hungry for the things of God as my body has become to be, began to be hungry for food in my life. You have to begin... Don't begin with 21 days. Begin with a meal, or if you've done a meal, do a day, or if you've done a day, try three or four days or a week or longer. These are spiritual things that, that are a result of the hunger for the things of God, and it's an appetite that you have to develop. The whole purpose of fasting is to heighten your self-control and your dependency on God by denying yourself the things that become overly dependent upon and returning to a dependency on God and focusing on the things of God. Remember that your spiritual diet will shape your spiritual appetite. Mark 8.3 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And fasting is a form of denying yourself. It's a form of saying, God, I want less of me, less of what my physical self wants and more of you, more of what my spiritual person needs. When Jesus was fasting and tempted by the devil, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, you're replacing the physical things with the spiritual things. Understanding the importance of Scripture will make us hungry for God's word. If you struggle with spiritual disciplines, if you can't pray for two minutes, if you struggle reading your Bible, if you've never fasted or you get easily distracted during worship or you have trouble sensing the presence of God, this isn't a sign that you're a terrible person. It's probably just a sign that these things are brand new to you and it's a spiritual appetite that you have yet to develop. And you'll find as you begin to feed that part of your life and that aspect 
That is something that you'll actually have been hungry for and you didn't know. It's a spiritual hunger that was there and you were trying to fill it with all kinds of different things. And when you begin to feed the spiritual appetite, that hunger is going to be satisfied. It's going to increase as well. The regular diet will increase the appetite for the things of God. So appetites are also dangerous. Mm -hmm. They're dangerous especially when they're unsatisfied. How many of you have ever said something crazy about when you're hungry, you know? I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. Turns out people find out they've been eating horses, they aren't really happy about it. So you have to be, I guess, pretty hungry. But how many of you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Yeah. Let me remind you just a minute. They're twin brothers that were born, obviously, at the same time. But the way it works, we're not trying to get into a whole anatomy lesson here today, but one comes out before the other. So there's still a firstborn, and Esau happened to be that, even though they were twins. So the way that it worked is he was stood to inherit the blessing of his father, the inheritance, and the greater portion. But what happened was Esau, he was entitled to this blessing. He was entitled to the greater inheritance of his father. But in a moment of hunger, he traded all that because of an unmet appetite. A hungry need is a dangerous need. Unsatisfied spiritual appetites will either cause us to try to find a cheap substitute for the real thing or to lose our hunger for spiritual things altogether. Oftentimes, people who don't drink enough water are actually thirsty, but they eat because they think they're hungry. And they may get full, but they're not satisfied. They're not understanding what it is that they're needing. And the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. You thought you were lonely and needed a boyfriend. And God says, first and foremost, I created you for a relationship with me. And until you understand that relationship, you may struggle with some others in your life. You thought that you just had a self-esteem issue, but you're actually fearfully and wonderfully created by God. And in the image of God, and until you see yourself in his image, you may struggle with trying to conform to the image that other people want to put you into or into the mold that they want to see you in. You're lonely and you want to talk to someone, but instead of talking to God like you were created to, you send some late night text messages to see who's still awake. You were created by God to live a life of purpose and significance, but you never figured that out, so you settled for the approval and the applause of other people. See, what happens when we don't feed the spiritual part of our lives, we grow and we develop an appetite for cheap substitutes in our lives that will never satisfy our hunger for a relationship with God. And that hungry spiritual need becomes very dangerous in our lives. I remember a few years ago, I was doing a long distance bike ride. It was a hundred mile ride and I had done this once before, but I hadn't done it competitively. I just had done it on my own. There were no other riders. I, I just did it at my own pace and it was completely different scenario but I thought because I'd already done it that I could do it and so I didn't fuel properly I thought that I had I I had eaten the sports jelly beans and the goos and the bars and uh, drank pickle juice and eaten bananas and peanut butter sandwiches and all kinds of stuff but I didn't I didn't do it properly and I didn't do it the right way and I made it to the 60 mile mark and I was doing great and all of a sudden, as I was going, I saw a friend of mine that just kind of zoomed by me with a group of other riders. And I thought, you know, it would be great. I just had this, this picture in my mind of, of crossing the finish line with him, finishing those last 40 miles with a friend, being able to talk and encourage each other. But by the time this all kind of clicked together, he had a pretty good distance between myself and him. But I decided I'm going to go catch him. I can do it. I can catch up to him. It's no problem. So I took off and I tried as hard as I could to catch him. But what happened is that's the moment when my lack of proper fueling caught up with me. It was pretty incredible. I remember my entire body just shutting down. I remember my leg just 
becoming completely straight, not being able to bend it at all. I just kind of wobbled my bike over into someone's yard and crawled up in the shade of a tree. And I remember some kid coming out saying, sir, are you okay? And I was like, leave me alone. Go away. I'm fine. I don't want you to look at me. I just need to figure out what's going on. And so I was trying pouring water on my head. I was trying massaging my muscles and stretching and all these different things. But it wasn't until I got caught up on the fuel the way I needed to be that I was able to finish and continue riding the 100 miles. We do the same thing spiritually in our lives. Mm -hmm. Our spiritual lives begin to shut down and crash because we're not feeding the spiritual part of our lives. We went to church two or three weeks ago, so it can't be that what's, what's wrong with us, so we try to figure it out some other way. And ladies, you may go out and buy a new outfit, get a mani and pedi. Us guys are hitting the gym, and we're like, you just can't figure it out. There's still something wrong, so... We haven't prayed in days, but we decide we're going to just volunteer at our kids' school. Maybe that's what's missing. Bible's getting dusty, but can't be, can't be that. We're going to just drop that. We're going to be generous. We're going to drop that crisp $5 bill into the Salvation Army kettle. That's going, to, that's going to take care of it. It doesn't matter that we haven't spent any time focused on or worshiping God. But we book a day at the spa because nothing else is working. And maybe that is going to be able to help us figure out what's wrong and what's missing and the reality is, is that we're hungry for more of God, but we've allowed that part of our lives to starve. And it's not that any of those other things are bad. But if you're looking to satisfy a spiritual hunger, none of those things are going to be sufficient. I shared with you last week that what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And if your spiritual life is starved, it's going to die. Yep. It's going to crash and it's going to burn. It's going to stop working properly. Does anyone here have a dog that they spoil? Or maybe one person here spoils the dog and there's times where maybe the dog doesn't want to eat its dog food because it's had the opportunity to eat so much table scraps. Come on, you can rat out your neighbor. They're the guilty party. Just, you know, yeah, there's some people that do that. I am one of those people. I'm like, hey, maybe my dogs would like to try elk. I like elk. Here's some elk. And my wife doesn't get happy because she usually gets to clean up the mess when whatever I've tried to feed them doesn't settle well, well in their stomach, but I just think a dog that lives in Wyoming needs to eat elk. Don't you, don't you agree? Doesn't that make sense? So you get to the point that you've given your dog so much table food it no longer wants to eat dog food. At this point, you have one of two decisions that you can make. You can become a gourmet pet chef and wake up every day and figure out what your dog would like to eat and prepare that for them, or you can serve the dog dog food, and it may go a few hours, it may go until the next day, but eventually when the dog gets hungry, it's going to eat dog food again like it's supposed to. And we all laugh, but the problem is that as Christians, we become like those spoiled dogs. The problem is that the dog you began to feed develops an appetite for the wrong kind of food. And we do the same things in our lives. We hold out on the things that God has put in front of us, the things that are really best for us, and we forget what it's like to become hungry for God. And we, we, we forget what it's like to be hungry for his presence and hungry for his word. So we skip that in search of a taste of something else. And sometimes it's not until things get completely stripped away that we realize we're really focused on the wrong thing. And that we have what we needed right in front of us the whole time. When you're hungry for God, nothing else matters. You just want to be in his presence. You, want, you can't wait to be with him. You'll adjust your schedule. You'll skip other things. You'll wake up early. You'll get the kids ready for church. You'll dust off your Bible. Whatever you have to do because you're hungry for more of God. There's a few interesting things about hunger. Hunger is contagious. Hunger causes other people around you 
to be hungry. Think about what happened this morning. You may not have even been hungry, or if you were, you weren't focused on it at all when you came in here, but I began to talk about food. I began to show pictures. You ate a couple bites of snacks. I may be generous by saying a couple bites. It might have been one. And some of your stomachs were growling so loud I could hear them all the way up here. That hunger became contagious. The same thing is true with spiritual hunger. Your hunger for God increases the hunger for God in others. Hungry people are attracted to other hungry people. You may say, well, I wish that my family were more hungry for God. Well, maybe they need to see you be more hungry for God. The second thing is that hunger unites us. They say that birds of a feather flock together, and that's true with hunger also. I love to be around other people who are hungry for God. I find myself drawn to them. And when our hunger unites us, it doesn't allow the things that are differences to divide us. Hunger for God will change your relationships. You'll find yourself with less desire to be around people who are not hungry for God, who always just want their own way. You don't have time for that because you're going after God and you want to be around other people who are going after God and who will stir up that hunger. The third thing is that hunger is evident. We have some great and some amazing cooks in this church. I told you guys last week that enchiladas were waiting for me after service and they were really, really good. I'll tell you what else. There's some people that make some really good food in this, in this church. There's one lady that makes cheesecake just the way I like it. <clears throat> and if you've never had her Indian food, it's good. There's nothing in Laramie that's like it. I've, I've not tasted anything in Wyoming or Colorado that comes close. It's so good. Last time... We went over to her house for Indian food, and it was a long time ago. I had to invite myself because I thought we were overdue. And she was in the first service this morning, and I told her, I think we're overdue again, honestly, because it's really, really good. And so I just get to a point where I have to invite myself over for Indian food. And Ailey makes the best. And, and uh, the last time that I went over there, I didn't hardly eat anything else all day because I had an excitement and anticipation of looking forward. Has anyone ever been that excited about food? Maybe this is a therapy session, and now I'm understanding all of my life problems. <laughs> when I started eating, it was even better than I remembered because I had been looking forward to it so much. I ate a lot, and I didn't want to stop eating. I love her Indian food. I'm willing to go without other things so that I can have it. If only she would make me some more of that Indian food. If someone could tell her I like her Indian food. Oh, she heard it this morning. Never mind. <laughs> You could tell how hungry a person is for something by the size of their portion. And my size of my portion was pretty good that day. But the same thing is true in our hunger for God. God can tell how hungry we are by the amount of God that we want in our lives. Hunger creates expectation. I love being in a room with hungry people that are hungry for God and expect to encounter Him. Here's the good news. We started this morning. Spiritually hungry people are filled. It's not like me wishing for some good Indian food and not getting it enough. Spiritually hungry people can expect to be filled because it's God's promise for your life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. When you have a spiritual appetite for the things of God, God's not going to leave you hungry. He's not going to leave you without. He's not going to give you a little snack pack that has one bite and just begins to start your appetite and your hunger for the things of God. And then he leaves you hanging. That's so, so cruel. I don't know who would do something like that. God doesn't. What would church look like next Sunday if everyone came to church expecting God to show up? What would happen? If all week long 
All you could think about is that you can't wait for Sunday morning because God's going to show up in a powerful way. And every once in a while we get that because expectations rise and our hunger will go up. And there's a group of people that are determined to be hungry for more of God. And when it happens, it's breathtaking. And we walk away from those services and we say, man, that's, that's the kind of service that I want to be a part of. I love that. That's amazing. The presence of God was there in a real way today. But when a whole group of people decide that they're going to get all that they can of God, the result is revival. Here's why hunger creates expectation. Expectation is, is really faith. And God responds to our faith. God doesn't do what, what I did to you this morning to give you one taste and leave you hanging. Between that and the gifts I handed out last week, no one's ever going to want another gift from me in a sermon. Instead, here's what Jesus said. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why are they blessed? Because they're going to be filled. This should make you excited if you're hungry for more of God, because if you're hungry, you're going to get it. Not that they might be filled, not that they're going to get a little bit of what they're looking for. The God-hungry people get exactly what they're seeking. They get filled with God. They get filled with God's power. They get filled with God's presence. That's why two people can be in the same service and one can say, that was the best service I've ever been in. God was so incredible. And another person can say, really? I didn't. I didn't feel anything. Well, those two people were hungry for different things. And they both got exactly what they were looking for out of that service. Usually when someone says they're not being filled, it's because they aren't hungry enough for the things of God. Proverbs 27.7 says, The one whose appetite is satisfied loathes honey. But to the hungry mouth, every bitter thing is sweet. If you're hungry for God, you're going to be filled with good things of God. But we can become like picky kids waiting for someone to give us exactly what we want. We don't want green beans and we don't want broccoli. We want Oreos and we want carrot cake. We want M&Ms. Give us some more of those. But picky kids miss a lot of meals unless they just have a, a super amazing mom that just cooks whatever. In my house, picky kids miss the meals. And I guess they could say, oh, I'm not being fed. But if they're hungry, there's more than enough. If you're hungry, God said he would fill you. It's a promise from God. Hungry people are filled. So if we aren't being filled, we need to evaluate our hunger level. The question isn't just, are you hungry? Because I think we're all hungry for something. The question is, what are you hungry for? Is your hunger for God being replaced by something else? If you want to increase your hunger for God, and you don't know how, it's, it's simple. Begin to feed the spiritual things. Begin to deny yourself the physical things that take the place of God in your life. Begin by, by today, by, by talking about how you can change your life going forward to stimulate that hunger, how you can cultivate that attitude in your life. At the beginning of the service, we talked about technology, and I'm not anti-technology. I have an iPhone. I waste lots of time on it. But you know what the first thing I, I do when I want to increase my spiritual appetite? Figure out a way to disconnect from the phone and from Netflix and from iTunes and from going to Regal and from Disney Plus and all those other things. And none of those things have to be bad, but our lives get out of balance. Take that time and instead use it to pray and talk to God. Begin to read your Bible, fast a meal, spend time in prayer and Bible reading. Go to that extra prayer service like the one we're going to have at 6 o'clock tonight and, and Monday through Friday as well. Spend some extra time in worship. 
Don't just show up next Sunday without having spent any time in prayer or any time in God's word and expect to experience some kind of incredible increase. You're starving by the time you arrive and an hour and 15 minutes later when you're ready to go, you're just barely not starving at that point. God's wanting you to be filled. And he will fill you. You know what I'm hungry for? Hungry for God's presence in a greater way in our church, in your lives, in our community. I'm hungry to see your spouse and your kids and your neighbors and your coworkers accept Jesus. I'm hungry for miracles. I want to see people healed and delivered and set free from addiction. I'm hungry to see marriages right and restored and homes with Jesus at the center. I'm hungry for genuine worship, for real worship hungry for one of those moments when it's like ocean waves of his presence and the waves just wash over and when we think we can't take anymore another one comes i'm hungry for that i'm hungry for the kind of revival that makes us love one another and love our world and live right and represent jesus i'm hungry for the unchurched and the unknown and the unaccepted and the unforgiven and the unloved to come into this place and find acceptance and love and forgiveness, but more than anything, to find Jesus and to find people that are so in love with Jesus that all those other things about them don't matter. Have you ever been more hungry for God than you are right now? And if the answer is yes, you've been more hungry at another time than you are right now, then you need to increase your hunger. I want Him so much. I want His present so much in my life I want you to do this today my question is what are you hungry for I want you to write that down on your worship guide on your phone on your hand on a piece of paper on something write down what you're hungry for what are you really hungry for be honest I'm not gonna look at it no one around you needs to see it what are you really hungry for write it down and I want you as you write that down I want you just to look at what you wrote Jesus says in response to that, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We bow your heads with me today. God, I know that your presence is here and you see the hearts of people saying, I want more of God. I want more of God than I've ever experienced. God, would you do exactly what you said that you would do? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God, I pray that as we take a couple of moments just right now to seek you and to grow and cultivate that hunger for you, as we take some time tonight at 6 o'clock, as we take some time over the next few evenings of this week, as we take 21 days of prayer and fasting to intentionally set aside some time to pray and seek you more. God, I pray that our hunger for spiritual things will grow. I pray that you would meet us right there and you would fill us up with everything that you have for us. I pray that as we meet tonight, an army of hungry people will show up for these prayer times and encounter you in a greater way. God, I pray that you overwhelm us and fill us with your power and your glory. Help us to be willing to give up things that keep us from spending time your presence. I pray that we wouldn't settle for cheap substitutes in our lives. But we would only be satisfied being filled with everything that you have for us. Do you want more of God than you've ever experienced before? 
hungry today for more of God, will you just stand right where you are? Will you just lift your hands and begin in your own words? Just begin to tell him, God, I want more of you. God, would you fill me? Would you give me more? I'm hungry for the things of God. I want more of you in my life. Would you do that? Would you just stand? Raise your hands, just you and your own words. It doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to sound like anyone else. Just begin to tell God, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you in my life. experience and maybe uncommon to you or you may be unfamiliar with it I don't want you to be alarmed or unaware of what's taking place here what we've just experienced is a message in tongues a gift of the moving of the Holy Spirit in accordance to 1 Corinthians and, and Acts you can find more information about this in your Bible but I want to encourage you that it's just simply God's wanting to connect with somebody here he's wanting to clearly communicate his message to you in a powerful way it lines up with the message that we just spoke that if you're hungry that he will fill you you may feel like you're you're distant from God you may feel like it's not going to happen but God's reminding you and he's reassuring you today if you're hungry for the things of God he will fill you today if this message spoke to you and ministered to your life and you know and you would say that message lines up with what God's speaking to me, and that was for me today. Would you just raise your hand across this place? Hands all over the room today. Come on, let's respond to God. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you've chosen to speak in such a powerful and clear way today. Lord, we trust you. We look to you. We desire you. Our hearts are set on being hungry for the things of God and on having more of you. Lord, our desire is for our relationship with you to grow. Our desire is for the things that keep us from you and that keep us from our relationship with you, for those things to no longer be distractions, for us to cut those out of our lives if we have to, if it's a short time, if it's long term, whatever we have to do to refocus our attention and our lives on you. 
We're hungry for more of you. Would you meet us? Would you encounter us in early mornings and on lunch breaks? time as we gather with our family around the dinner table would you meet us in these moments would you meet us at prayer gatherings and services would our sensitivity to your spirit be increased so that we're aware that you're moving and that you're speaking and that you're wanting to grow your relationship with us that you created us for intimate and meaningful relationship with you and that you're not happy with anything less Lord don't let us settle for less in a relationship with you that you created us for. God, we thank you for how you're moving in this service. We thank you for your presence here today. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done, for all that you've spoken. When we're going to leave here today and just because a service ends doesn't mean that we leave God's presence and what he's doing inside of us ends. I encourage you, take it with you. I encourage you to cultivate that spiritual appetite as you go home. Reprioritize some things. Set some appointments with God that are not going to be interrupted. You've set appointments with other things, The Bachelor or Netflix or whatever it may be. Set some appointments with God that are that high of a priority. And keep those appointments. Be hungry for the things of God. Continue to go after Him. We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're a part of what God's doing. 